I might say, oh my gosh, I love that doctor. They're so freaking direct and it's amazing. And the next person might say, I hate that doctor. They were so direct and I wanted to be coddled. And that's fine, whatever you need, you know? In this episode, we will talk about not gaining any support after the fact, thriving after cancer, and living a life for yourself. We'll dive right into Stephanie Weeks' creator story. The lot of amounts of checkups that she has to go through after cancer and how she's doing this all by herself right now with us. You should have to listen in to hear all the details. Hello, my wonderful beasties. It's Tina, your host. Welcome to the Courageous Inner Beast. Here in this place is where you can sh- share your courage and just show up and just do it. And today we have Stephanie Weeks. Hi, Stephanie. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, thank you for having me. My name is Stephanie Weeks, as you said, and I am a cancer survivor. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, So what is one creative story that you would like to share with us? It would be surviving after cancer. I think that's what I would like to talk about because when you are diagnosed and you go through all these things, right? Um, at that those moments, you're just thinking of just getting rid of it and surviving it and all that. And then once you're kind of past that hump, I guess I would say, then you try to get back to normal life, right? But it's a new normal. You're, you're never the same and you never go back to the old normal. So it's definitely something that I find is not spoken about a lot um, is how to manage and how to survive and how to really try, and I hate the word try actually, but um, make a good go at thriving after cancer and learning your new normal and how to adjust to those things and what that looks like, you know? Yeah. And what, what is that? What is it? What is thriving to you after cancer? Exactly. I think one main thing would be, which I feel very fortunate to not have the worry, oh my gosh, is it going to come back? Like, I feel like a lot of people have that. I'm very blessed that I don't have that. Um, So I think that would be possibly thriving. And then, um, you know, you're you're learning your new normal, right? So trying to adjust to that and trying to make the best out of that. What they don't talk about a lot is I'm two and a half years, right about two and a half years post-diagnosis. And the amount of doctor's appointments that you still have, aside from many of us who work full-time jobs or you know run businesses, things like that, uh, just those the upkeep and just the follow-up, like that in itself is a, is a big thing. So if you can thrive through the day that you're losing the whole day on doctor's appointments and and try to think positive and look mm-hmm. for good news and try to find things to find, or try to look for the beauty in the things going on when it comes to you know thriving after cancer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't, I can't imagine like going to a doctor's appointment while you're doing like, while going working full time and figuring out, you know, staying positive and just being like, just changing all of that. So were there any like, in between, like, in between like what you have to go through, like what are some things that you have to go through, like struggles or maybe hardships too? I'm just curious on that as well. Well, yeah, so I definitely don't want to downplay the the struggle and how difficult it is getting a diagnosis, realizing your options, 
deciding on the options, deciding on a doctor, because I want to pause on that for a moment. Not the first doctor that you speak with do you have to go with. But a lot of times, um, well, I can't say a lot of times. For me, it was aggressive and it was invasive. So I had to make quick decisions, but I took the time to step back for the second and make sure that I aligned myself with doctors that aligned in my thought process and the fact that I wanted to ask questions and that I wanted to be part of my treatment and my treatment plan. And not every doctor is that way. And, you know, I was talking about this with someone the other day, like I might say, oh my gosh, I love that doctor. They're so freaking direct and it's amazing. And the next person might say, I hate that doctor. They were so direct and I wanted to be coddled. And that's fine, whatever you need, you know? Um, But finding the right fit for that, I think is very important. And the fear around, oh my gosh, I have this diagnosis. What is the situation? Am I going to be able to get past it? What does it look like? What does the treatment look like? And all that can be overwhelming. And that's part of why I want to talk about thriving after cancer is because, you know, when you are first diagnosed, many people, they want to help and they want to call and they want to send you things. It is wonderful and it's amazing. Uh, And you just think when you don't know any better that once someone's past it, then they're past it. But as an example for me, um, I ended up with a rare side effect, side effect of one of the treatments. And so I currently have adrenal insufficiency. Well, that means I have to have an endocrinologist. Well, I also had to have chemo, which not everyone does. So I have an oncologist and then I had to have radiation. Not everyone does. And so I have a radiation oncologist uh, and still the general practitioner. And then you got the genetic doctor for the genetic testing. And then based on the predisposition from the genetic testing, you know, now I had to have a hysterectomy. And so when I have a doctor for that and I'm leaving things off after, after surgeries, there's physical therapy. So there's just so many things that, you know, can keep going. And for me, I do vitamin drips every three weeks and I did it every week through chemo and everything. Um, that's a lot, you know, it's a lot. And throw, you're supposed to work and have a family and maybe be a mom, maybe be a wife. Maybe you got to cook, maybe you have to clean. Like yeah. there's just a lot of things. So just going back on it again. So even after you beat cancer and then you're thriving now, even on top of that, you still have, well, from when I was listening to you, the counting, I think it's like more than five doctors that you have to see on a consistent basis just to make sure everything's like pretty much like maintenance kind of thing for you. So you make sure, damn. It's yeah, it's yeah. a lot. And, I'm, and I know that I'm forgetting some for sure, like acupunctures comes to mind as well. Um, and, and for thriving, I'm going to say attempt at right, because I mean, I have some days that they just completely suck. Yeah. And then other days, I'm just kind of right even keel. And then other days, I'm like, on a high, I guess, you know what I mean? So, and I think that too could have the, um, you know, be from the fact that I got a hysterectomy, and now I have no female hormones and so like I have fans everywhere all the time you know because you get hot flashes does it make it hot all the time yeah you just have like these random hot flashes which so I have fans in like every drawer and every purse and every bag in the car like all the places right um because you have that and then you know so just to talk about that for a second just as one example so we have done the hysterectomy so I have no female hormones and 
one doctor, and actually my face has aged about 10 years in the past six months. And, you know, one doctor says, well, it's the steroids. The other doctor says, it's not the steroids, but then steroids can thin your skin. I'm like, well, if my skin is thin, then I can get more wrinkles that way, right? Um, and then another doctor says, actually, the the wrinkling or whatever, and the like, whatever's happening, it can be because of the lack of hormones. And the next person says, it's not lack of hormones, right? Mm-hmm. So then I have to take all the information and put it together and figure out and do research on my own to figure out what the heck's the answer and what I do next. Because then one doctor said, well, we can put you on hormones, but the hormones we put you on, even though they're bioidentical, could possibly cause you to have cancer that comes back, but in other areas. Okay, people, what the hell am I supposed so to do, you know? There's just so many opinions. Like, I'm right. equally lost with you. So I know, right? And that's just on the hormones. And there's a million other things when you're going through, you know, the cancer and the survivorship and, and different things like that. So um, I think an important thing that I want to make sure to, to tell people is advocate for yourself. Advocate for yourself. Doctors are amazing and we need doctors. But you have to be part of that plan, right? Doctors are human and they can make mistakes too. So you have to be an advocate for yourself and whatever that might be. In me going through this and I'm talking about it and being really open about it, I've had lots of people reach out to me. And one of my main things, because I could give you 50 things, but I don't wanna overwhelm anybody. So my main thing is if people are still going through treatments is to ask the doctor for a a saline drip after every treatment. And yes, the the medicine is mixed with saline already. I'm talking about just another thousand cc bag of saline after every chemo drip. Because one of the things I asked, because I like to process when it comes to health and nutrition, not everything. I'm a lot of a bullet point person, but health and nutrition, I want to understand so I said to the oncologist, I need to understand this. So please help me. When I have to have a surgery, I know that I'm going to do like a, a pre-op drip of um, saline and vitamins. And then once I have the surgery, I'm going to do a post-op drip and I'm going to hydrate like crazy and drink a lot of vegetable juice to wash it all out of my system. Because I know that anesthesia has its moment and when the moment's over it's done and let's just move along and get it out so I asked the oncologist how does it work with chemo when we do the chemo then does it need to like stew for a week or whatever or once it goes through then is it similar I mean don't quote me I'm not a medical person but is it similar to where like okay now it's already in there like now let's wipe it out you know and I was like well if if the thing is like, once it's in there, you can wipe it out and you don't have to like, you know, let it stir, stew for a week or whatever the words are. Um, then, and from what I'm reading, the two biggest things that people can have negative side effects is be- side effects is because of dehydration. I'm like, well, if those are the two things that are accurate. Then why don't we do a thousand CC bag of saline after every single drip of chemo. And then that's going to help me on both fronts. And she's like, it's actually a really great idea. And so that's what I did. And that's one big thing I tell people going through treatment to ask if they can do that, because it helps so much with the dehydration. Like you can't 
drink enough water physically to outrun the chemo they just put in. You know what I mean? And you're tired and you might be really aggravated and, you know, you might just not freaking feel like drinking water because you're like, you know, you just have moments, right? So I just feel like it can do nothing but help. And I think that's one really good thing to kind of spread. Okay. I didn't even, well, I don't have any experience at all. So I hope you never do. And I hope you never, ever do. But I definitely, um, but so saline is kind of like a, is it kind of like an electrolyte to make more, have more, to get you more hydrated versus, is that what it is? It's for hydration. Yeah, it can be used for hydration. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is just for me to understand when someone is going through chemo is ask for 100 cc of saline. A thousand. A hundred or a thousand? A thousand. A thousand. So Mm -hmm. because like you said, the chemo will drain your your water intake, will drain out, like it will go out, but then there's nothing to bring in more water because like you said, drinking water takes a while and then it's not as fast. Yeah. So um, asking for a thousand cc of saline will hydrate you real it quick. And, yeah, and it will like help you kind of like way. be less tired too and fatigued. That's what I said. Well, what they did for me, um, and I know that every treatment plan is different, but what they did for me is they actually put, they give me steroids. I can't remember exactly why, but before the drips as well. And so I was like a crazy person. I remember my husband and my daughter joking, okay, who's babysitting her tonight? Because when I came home, those steroids had me like, woo. So, I mean, I was on ladders, cleaning light fixtures. I'm running through the house. I'm organizing things. And it's already organized because that's just how we are, you know. But I'm just like finding things to do and to clean. And like, I can't sit still and I can't be still. Um, So I didn't have quite as much tired as I had crazy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And this is still like, after or is it before after i just want to make sure that i'm understanding it's like it's after you beat it and then you're still the, the maintenance of it like you still go to chemo and no so chemo for me again everyone's different but for mm-hmm. chemo for me i want to say it was like maybe 16 treatments of chemo mm-hmm. um over a, maybe three months i'm gonna guess or four months and um and then I was done with the chemo. But some people do have to have more chemo or go back. Some people do chemo pills, things like that. So the saline is more of for the people that are in actively in treatment that I feel like really, really helped me. So I like to share that advice. Okay. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. I I believe our listeners will love it and oh. use that to just so so they can feel hydrated and not feel so tired throughout mm-hmm. the days and yeah, no, it makes sense. And so like now, as you're thriving after cancer, like, what is it one of the things that you love doing most now that that you didn't do before you were diagnosed? I'm gonna say, sorry, my child keeps texting. Um, hmm, now that I didn't do before, I'm really protective of myself and my space more. So and what makes me happy and brings me joy. Before I would do things like I have to do it because you're supposed to do it because this is what you do. And like, I'm just an action taker. So if you text me, I'm going to respond. If you call me, I'm going to answer. You know, if you ask me to do this, I'm going to help you. And so I'm really a lot better about, you know, I don't want to, and I'm not doing it. I'm just Mm -hmm. not going to do it. You know, if it doesn't make me happy and it doesn't bring me joy, then you know what? 
I'm just not going to do it. So take it or leave it. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm better about that because I was not so great about that before. Yeah, and that's great. It's sometimes, sometimes it's just like something has to happen in order to like okay, the like the light bulb in your yeah, mind. Yeah. Like, and so, what have you have been doing now that, um, specifically like you know, like you said, that brings you joy and happiness. So, do you have any examples that you do now on a daily or monthly or so forth? Yeah, so I I do take time in the morning and I read, I have different um, books that people have given me and things like that. So I do enjoy like giving myself like 10 or 15 minutes in the morning and just, just a few pages, you know, and that's something different too, because before I'd be like, I have to read it, I have to finish it. Now I'm like, you know what, three pages a day is great. And so I, I do enjoy doing that. And I did get a puppy. And so she keeps me busy and she's adorable. And super sweet with a great temperament. Temperament. Can't talk today. Uh, what kind of what kind of puppy? And she's a four doodle. So border collie poodle. Four doodle. So cute. So smart. So yeah, we're definitely dog people. Yes, and so like you read and you read and so you read and you play with your puppy. Do you just hang out with them? But do you do it quite often, or just depending on how you feel? on a day-to-day basis um so I'm 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 probably 90% good in the reading per morning and what's great about the puppy is instead of me just like sitting at the desk and just like this and never moving or eating or stopping like it's great because she helps me break that up you know because it's like mom I need a treat mom I need to go out you know so it's very healthy because it gives us that you know one or two minutes of like breathe be distracted, not just be sitting at a computer and completely focused on that. Um, And the other thing that's really bringing me joy is helping to spread awareness on treatment plans, treatment options, the fact that you don't have to pick just one way or just the other. You can actually marry all the different modalities together. So I'm really enjoying spreading awareness on that. Oh, I, I really, that's good. That's Thank like one like for your for your puppy to give you distraction in some way. Mm-hmm. Just like like you said, take into breaks. Yeah. And then having like the black and white thinking, not one way or the other way, but just all the gray area and marrying the whole thing, just have it into one. Yes. That's, yeah. It's um yeah, because like I used to, we're we're human, so we can't always just have one way or the other way. It it changes all the time. So it's good to have it all together. And so, um, yeah, so thank you so much, Stephanie, for sharing your story and your knowledge of, you know, bring wisdom to our audience who may be going through the same process and, you know, some, some areas that they look out for for themselves. Um, so what is one takeaway that you would like to share to the audience? Something I just actually like connected the dots on this week. (laughs) If you are thriving after cancer, you should look at your appointments. And a lot of us are electronic and so am I. But for a whole separate reason, I'm redoing some floors and it just made me like go, okay, can I handle this for a week? And I, I took it out the phone, you know, and I just like wrote it on a piece of paper and to see it like that was a very big difference. And then the other thing kind of hand in hand with that is 
knowing to pair appointments. So I was scheduled for blood work, okay, which is totally normal. For me, I have the blood work for the general practitioner I just switched to. I have the blood work for the oncologist and blood work for the endocrinologist. Well, they don't always talk, right? So they would have had me do blood work three times. And I would have done that when I was on autopilot. But I said, oh, wait a minute. You know what? She's going to have me do it the next week. And he's going to have me do it the next week. Let me just message all of them and say, hey, can you all put in the one order and I'll get the blood work once. So kind of writing it down and then trying to, again, be your own advocate and see what do I have going on around life and around work? And how can I make this the most efficient? And and, you know, make them work with you, which is great. Just don't prolong your stuff, right? Because you can't do that. That's not healthy. Um, but, you know, the fact that I pushed the blood work back one week so that now I can do three different orders in one appointment. I mean, that just makes sense for everybody. So little things like that. Yeah. So you're saying like um, efficiency is key. Of If it's like one blood work could hit all the boxes to different doctors. That's like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because yeah. you got to keep your stress levels down. Because let's be real, that most cancers are from stress and most of them are also from, of course, you know, genetics plays a role as well. Um, but we're all in such chronic stress all the time. So we have to stop that. We have to become better about that. So just that simple little thing of controlling those appointments and ha not having three days where you're running around and so you're stressed out by doing that those are all kind of hand in hand and just really reducing that stress. Honestly, I didn't even know that stress could be a contributor to cancer. Stress and inflammation are like two big, 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 big factors. Think about it. How many people in the world right now have inflammation? Like probably 75%, maybe even more, you know? And then how many of us are living in chronic stress? I was, I'm not now. But, you know, how many people are living in chronic stress situations? That's probably 75% or more as well. Yeah. And we wonder why so many more people are getting cancer. Yeah. No, oh, that makes sense. Something to think about. Yes. Very. <laughs> Something to definitely think about. Especially, like, even in my own life. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I stress quite often than I should be. And so, mm -hmm. but I definitely keep note of that in my mind of like okay to not just stretch management mm -hmm. yeah so definitely um definitely will note that uh so thank you thank you stephanie for for joining us i really appreciate it thank you for having me yeah um so thank you everyone for listening in if you enjoy this podcast please hit the follow button wherever you are listening and look out for new episodes every Tuesday on The Courageous Inner Beast. Thank you for listening in. If you enjoy our podcast and want to get connected with Stephanie Weeks, please look in the description for more information and for the links. Mm -hmm.